You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning on Halloween and a typical Halloween day weather-wise. That's the scene, doesn't it? Uh, 1850-333-103. Lines open. Bernie takes your calls and comments. And indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email us this morning, jp at c103.ie. Or, of course, you can always tweet us at c103cork. You can send us a private message as well via Facebook Messenger to at c103cork on Facebook. And if you're on the roads this morning, take care because the Gardaí and emergency services are still dealing with that single vehicle collision on the R600 Kinsale Road because a van has overturned between Five Mile Bridge and Bowen's Cross there so take care if you're on that stretch of road this morning and expect delays if that is your journey. Now ahead on the show we're going to discuss a report uh, which is highlighting that for many rural towns they are dying and mainly because of this it's due to traffic problems and property owners who do not wish to sell buildings in case of property prices increasing. Now, the town of Fermoy was mentioned on the show a number of times over the last two weeks because of traffic problems and many are saying that those who are working for companies and other drivers are using the town instead of using the motorway and this is due to them avoiding toll charges. Now, I know many companies will tell their employees that if they are travelling on motorways to divert and avoid the tolls and they're told to go into a town or a village and then back onto the motorway again if they can do so to avoid a toll. No, that isn't possible in a lot of areas so the traffic will come off the motorway and will then travel through a number of towns and villages and use the older roads instead of using the motorways and that is what's happening. Uh, a lot of locals in the Fermoy and Mitchelson area feel that is what is happening in that particular area but what can be done about those particular issues which is affecting Fermoy and can affect other towns as well if this is an issue. Uh, maybe this is the only area of Cork where we have a motorway but other towns we know of in Cork badly need bypasses and more solutions. Anyhow, we'll be discussing with Councillor Frank Roach on what can be done in Fermoy to alleviate the problem and also uh, the problem that many towns have of derelict buildings and property owners holding on to that particular building even though it might not look right in a town by way of falling apart and not being painted etc. But they're hanging on to that particular building because they feel they can get better prices if they wait as in regards selling the particular property. Anyhow, discussing that on the show this morning. Also, uh, we are very aware that people are finding it hard to access their own GP and GP services in many county towns. We got a lot of calls over the last few months from people in the McCroom area and this is a wider McCroom area uh, going as far as Ballyvorney and Clondrohod, Ballangiri and those areas who do access doctors in the town of McCroom and because of more people moving to the Midcork area uh, likes of Cladove, Crookstown, Lissarda and those type of areas where by the ones I've mentioned there are a near proximity to the city but also a lot of the people living there will use the services in McCroom. Worries now in the area that people new and also those who have existing doctors are finding it hard to access their GPs due to demand in the area. We're going to speak with Deputy Andreas Moynihan on this and we'd love to hear from your stories as well in other towns across Cork where this is an issue and evidence. It's just in the last few weeks and months we've been hearing a lot of this from the area of Mid-Cork and McCroom and the Director 
of the Sexual Violence Centre here in Cork, Mary Crilly fears that rape is being normalised following a 45% increase in service users last year. We're going to chat with Mary later on the show regarding that. Also, our Gardafile and we have pet advice with Jane. If you have a question for Jane later, she'll join us after 12.30. You can call Bernie 1850 or indeed text or WhatsApp your question to Jane on 0862103103. Also, we'll be discussing Halloween and tips for Halloween and Jane will discuss those tips as well on basically looking after your pets and minding your pets because usually what happens is tomorrow, the day after Halloween, we get so many calls coming in from people who have lost their dogs. Their dogs have been out in a shed or been outside overnight and they've been frightened by bangers and fireworks and whatnot and they've run away and we are inundated. And every year we tell people keep your pets inside if you can for the one night because usually, I would say for the two nights, usually it's the, the night of Halloween and following that when the fireworks keep going or the bangers keep going off. Anyhow, because of that, uh, Jane will discuss uh, advice for pets as well and for, for pet owners and what to do tonight. And I know a lot of people will say, why should we keep our pets in? But then uh, you have a situation whereby the following day, people's dogs or cats are missing and they're ringing us trying to locate them. Uh, but if you, you know, a lot of people would say, well, if they kept them inside, like the advice is given, would they have run away? Anyhow, we'll discuss that later on in the show as well. Your viewers are welcome on that. And news breaking this morning, and this is one of these RTE investigates reveals uh, which they have looked into instances in Leinster House. And it follows on from TDs voting for each other, that particular scandal that was out a few weeks ago. Well, now this could be a new one. It's regarding TDs who regularly record their attendances in Leinster House for expenses purposes on days when they do not take part in dull votes. The analysis, as I mentioned, was uh, investigated by the RTE Investigates team and they showed that data for some TDs failed to take part in any votes on almost 50% of the days when they recorded their attendance in Leinster House and at least one vote occurred. Now, TDs must record their attendance to claim expenses under the travel and accommodation scheme and those who most frequently missed every vote on days when they clocked into Leinster House include Independence TDs Michael Healy Ray and Danny Healy Ray. They actually topped the particular list of this. Also, Fine Gael's in the Kinney, the former Taoiseach, Independent TD Noel Grealish and the Fianna Fáil leader Michal Martin and his party colleague Willie O'Dea all topped that particular list of those who frequently missed votes on days when they did clock in to the Dáil. Now on this uh, particular scheme, the travel and accommodation scheme, uh, this scheme costs taxpayers, that's you and me, around, wait for this, 2.9 million euros per year. So we're paying 2.9 million euros per year for travel and accommodation expenses for RTDs travelling to Linster House. The expenses, well, they are decided based on the distance a TD has to travel from their place of residence to Linster House. Expenses claimed under this particular scheme, where they're not audited, and the allowances given to TDs other than the Taoiseach and ministers on the basis that they personally attend Linster House on at least 120 days per year. Now, attendances, how are they measured? Well, they're measured based on sign-in records generated using an electronic electronic fobbing system, which TDs can use to record their attendance once at any time during the day. However, there are no further checks on what TDs did on their attendance days. So uh, following on from the voting, I mean, could you have a situation with this electric electronic fob that you could go in to Leinster House for an hour and then leave and do other business and go home? Or 
would it be a situation whereby, as we saw with the voting situation, where you're giving your fob over to somebody else, they tap the fob, that records you being in the doll while you might be doing something else now? There's something else that particular TD could be doing, uh, could be better. Maybe they are sorting out something in their constituency, uh, but they're not in the doled in for the national parliament and for the national voting, which many would say that's the reason they are voted in to deal with items nationally rather than locally. That's why we have councillors. Anyhow, uh, on that, mixed views already coming in. Some saying, uh, juror saying, well, if this is the situation, if they are lying on their attendance, it's a disgrace as we're paying for it. But what if the TDs just simply are working on different aspects Aspects and are not attending the votes because they might be doing something proper elsewhere. Uh, Jar saying, and a point that's being made, or is it a case that they're simply are at home or doing something else and leaving early and they're getting paid for it? They're recording their attendance so they can actually claim the travel and accommodation expenses. And not too sure, a lot of the TDs have been contacted this morning for a response, but due to items on in Linster House and elsewhere, they're unavailable to join uh, people to discuss and what actually happened this morning. But we'll wait and see what comes out from that. That's news just coming out over the last hour or so regarding uh, TDs and their attendance in the Dulles. So your views are welcome on that. Uh, Bernie takes your comments, 1850-333-103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And, uh, well, something different uh, that occurred yesterday in Cork. And if you're a fan of the great British Bake Off, well, the judge, the former judge from that particular show when it aired on the BBC before they switched to Channel 4, Mary Berry, she was in Cork yesterday. And, of course, she paid a visit to the English. English market. Now, I'd love to know, was it because of all the publicity for the English market in the UK following the Queen's visit? And indeed, it featured on many shows in the UK. And of course, on a comedy point of view, it featured as well uh, from the Young Offenders. Is that one of the reasons she decided to pop into the English market? Because and would she have known of the English market without of the publicity? Anyhow, she was in there. What a place to go for her to check out all the local produce. And she had to get a picture, of course, with the main man from that particular market, Pat O'Connell. And she was visiting his stall there as well within the market. She was in Cork yesterday. Nice pictures of her online yesterday. And indeed, you'll find those as well on papers this morning. And something that will affect everybody who is working. If you're listening to us in an office this morning, employees who currently, if you don't have a pension, well, you'll be automatically signed up to one and contributions will be taken directly from your wages. This is under new government proposals. It's a wide-ranging scheme. It's going to cover all new employees aged between 23 and 60 years old, earning more of a salary of €20,000. However, workers will be given the opportunity to opt out, though only after a while, and they will lose some of their benefits of the scheme if they do so. Now, the reason this has been brought in and it's the Social Protection Minister, Regina Doherty. Uh, she is introducing this and it's been approved uh, for the, the plan for this has been approved, that is, by her cabinet colleagues. The reason for this is that they're fearing as the population ages that those who are young now working, that they will not have enough savings when they come to retirement. So if they have a particular pension fund, uh, then they feel that they will have money for when they need it, when they're in retirement. The only thing there is 
how many people had pensions uh, during the crash and the governments went into the pension pot and took the money out and not much was made of that. At the time, people were giving out about that, but still the government kept going in for, was it three or four years and taking money out of people's pensions and therefore people who were in your retirement age who were due that pension could not get that particular money out for one reason or another. Uh, but also when they got the money out then, they realised it was worth a lot less than what they paid in. So for example, if you paid in €20,000 over a lifetime or €10,000 or whatever, you might be only getting 5000 back or maybe 15000 if you pay twenty, or even less again. Some people got nothing back. Some people lost out totally in their pension. So while you could see why they're doing this and introducing this, also you'd hope that in the future... Uh, we won't have the same situation again like we had with pensions when we had the crash in this particular country, similar to what happened with the housing situation, I suppose, as well in Ireland at the moment and what happened over that particular crash. And if you're a farmer, well, uh, more cuts uh, to the agri-industry. It seems that the farming industry will face cuts of almost 4%. That's uh, of almost 50 million euros in basic payments next year, uh, plus a further reduction of 15% in the Rural Development Programme. This will cost Irish farmers another 50 million euros. It's a proposal in a draft document by the European Commission, and that document was seen by the Irish Farmers Journal. They're reporting that, so it'll be in total over 100 million cuts in payments to farmers in the year 2020. Uh, if you're a Eurovision fan, well, this could be something for next year when Ireland go to the Eurovision because an Irish band called the Rua, they have been tipped to represent Ireland at the Eurovision next year. Yeah, 50 years after, wait for this, their auntie Dana won the competition. So... Uh, Dana's nieces and nephews are going to be seemingly anyhow for the moment representing Ireland they're called the Rua and the three-piece band they're celebrating because they entered the US Billboard Top 50 uh, with their latest single and they are tipped to represent Ireland uh, next year in the Eurovision maybe they'll bring a bit of Dana's luck on that can we say hello and well done to everybody as well by the way in North Cork Creameries they won the overall National Gold Q Award at the Irish Quality Food Awards for its butter uh, which the uh, co-op of course makes using milk from supplies uh, locally here by dairy farmers in the North Cork and North Kerry region so well done to all there in North Cork Creameries and I mentioned Halloween earlier we'll give you tips later on uh, trick-or-treating and uh, being Halloween aware and also how many and what's the famous or favourite costume this year people are dressing up on? Uh, well, we must say hello, though, to Johnny Murphy from Waterfall and Con Proud from Crossbury because after 40 years of Halloween house calls, they are out and about again this year, meeting people and putting a smile, basically, on people's faces for Halloween. I think we spoke to them a number of years ago uh, when they joined us on the show about that, but they'll be out and about again. And it's Sarah Horgan is writing about that in The Echo, and she's saying the oldest trick-or-treaters in town, they're ready to haunt again. So best of luck to them, uh, who will be out and about later. And we'll have tips for those who are out and about later and safety advice as well, as it is going to be dark with the uh, clocks going back. But apart from that, the weather isn't great as well. So uh, just take note of that if you are trick-or-treating. We'll have more details on that later. 1850-333-103, lines open. Also, a lot of emails to the show yesterday following our chat on cycling and that new law coming in next month regarding dangerous overtaking of cyclists. So we didn't get to a lot of the emails that came in to us yesterday, so we'll go through those as well. Between now and one, and your calls are welcome, text or WhatsApp 86 But the issue of derelict buildings and traffic in county towns, especially in the town of Fermoy, and what could be done? Discussing that next. Record today on C103. Call 
Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. We've been discussing cyclists and motorists all week in the show and something that is mentioned a lot is traffic and a recent report highlighted traffic for hampering development in rural Irish towns and the town of Formoy has been mentioned a lot lately due to the traffic problems that are happening across that town. Councillor Frank Roach contacted us on this when it was mentioned on the show last week and he joins me. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Jennifer. Uh, Frank, something that we would think of from I wouldn't be an issue because of the motorway, but it's becoming a bigger issue. And mainly what we're hearing from locals is that they feel traffic would be lighter in Formoy if heavy good vehicles and other users went on the motorway instead of using the actual town. But one of the reasons here is a lot of employers are asking uh, their staff to travel uh, through towns like Formoy and Mitchellstown and to avoid motorway tolls. So that could be one of the reasons. That's right, yeah. And what would be your proposal for that to change? I mean, is that something you're seeing there and you're hearing as well on the ground? Well, uh, John-Paul, one, one particular company owner told me that by avoiding the tolls, he's saving 20000 on his trucks in the year. Now, that man, he bought, when he bought his trucks, he paid his vet and he paid his BRT and he's paying his tax and he's paying everything on the trucks. And that 20000 could probably be the difference between him surviving and and failing in business by the end of the year. Now, we're hearing an awful lot of people saying that they they, they just don't like paying tolls. And in Formoy in particular, if they, so I, I do understand that the tolls are owned by a private company, but if they close the toll in, in the, the current toll to relieve an awful lot of the traffic to the town, because a lot of the people that would be going to the southern side or to the, to the Cock Road side of Formoy, coming from Dublin, or coming from that area, would actually use the motorway, come down Carn and come back into Formoy. Whereas now what they're doing is they're coming off at Moor Park and they're going up through the town of Formoy. Yeah, there's kind of well, a natural ring road, I suppose, yeah, when you look at the, the car end yes. side of things. Yeah, but how would that work? I mean, if you were to remove the toll or even uh, have something else in place there, the company that run the motorway or, or that actually have, have put the tolls there, they'll want money for that. So who's going to pay yeah, them? You're dead right, and I understand that. But I actually think to even pay the council to give them a subsidy or give them, give them a grant or give them, give them something that would, um, that would actually... Um, They'll have to be compensated, naturally enough. They will have to be compensated. But should pay the council to, to, to give them that money or give them that grant. And would the council be willing to do that? Would they subsidise a company which has set up the particular tolls? They are there. Uh, they are making money for them. But do you think the council are going to say, yes, we'll hand over money to, to, uh, for uh, so that people can actually use the motorway and relieve well, traffic that, in the town? That, that's exactly the problem we will have. But the reality is to make far more common sense to do that than to go putting than to go putting a ring road around the town, because if they decided to put a ring road around the town, you or me will never see it. By the time that they'll have that ring road, uh, first of all, by the time they've planning that, by the time they've the whole thing solved, uh, sure it could take twenty years uh, or more to put a ring road around the town. And with the money spent on that, the money they will spend giving the company, it will be a lot of, a faster option, I suppose, really. It would be it? a faster yeah. option. And with, with, with the option that I'd be proposing, 
you could have your, your ring road around the town by next, by next Monday morning. And are you noticing what a lot of our callers are saying that it is more or less trucks and company vehicles that are driving through the town and causing the traffic intake to go up because the fact that their employers are telling them, well, if you use the motorway and you are charged, and we know if you're a commercial vehicle, you are charging a higher rate than the usual 190 without a usual car would be charged. 460, yeah. Yeah, that, that because of that, the employee would have to pay that charge himself and not get it refunded to him so they have no choice but to go through the town are you noticing that and from why are our listeners correct with that well, and indeed as well Mitchellstown and other towns who are on or just off a motorway route yeah there, there's an awful lot of trucks going through from my but I can also see like the one hauler that, that actually pointed out to me and was during my, my election campaign he, he had his figures and he had all and like as I say he told me to cost him 20,000 uh, to actually use the toll for, for whichever truck was on, 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 that, on that route. Now, in all fairness, for that man, that was an awful lot of money. Like. Yeah, huge amount of money. And would you recommend to those running the tolls that maybe they should reduce prices for commercial vehicles and trucks so that then that would reduce the intake in towns? Well, look, to probably to be probably better than nothing, but I, I still think that um, if the county council could see that way to, to, to actually pay the take a subsidy or something to this private company um, and, and, and do it that way I think to be, to be a better solution. And if they weren't willing to do that would it be a solution to put a motion on them reducing the cost to truck drivers who are struggling enough with the increase in diesel and then we have carbon tax etc on the, on the way as well, well which is already in there but we'll have higher charges the next year I'm sure. This is your one. We're not talking about the, about the, the volume of traffic, but there's nobody talking about the pollution that is causing going through the town because at every place of traffic lights, you have trucks sitting there for five minutes for lights to change. Uh, they're running while they're sitting there. You the, the, the fumes and air pollution that they're creating. And even inside in the town where you're going down, in, from my town is actually in a bit of a hollow. So you, you have air pollution as well. So <clears throat> from a climate point of view, it would probably be even better that the, town, the trucks were left travel the motorway and, and bypass the town. OK, by the way, also in this report, uh, we did mention uh, about uh, property owners who are leaving derelict buildings basically fall apart in some towns than waiting for a better price to sell the property. Uh, and many are saying they should be identified. Uh, sometimes we hear the council find it hard to identify property owners of those buildings in towns. Do you think something needs to happen now regarding this? A lot of talk has happened and there's been a lot of work done on this, but uh, do you think at this stage people, when they are identified, just be, should be forced to either sell the building or else do something with it or paint it or make it look respectable rather than a town uh, looking in a bad way because somebody wants to make more money? Well, I suppose um, to the private people, it's very hard to force to sell their, their properties. But an awful lot of these properties are properties that have been repossessed by the banks and the financial institutions. And what's actually happening is they're selling to vulture funds. And the vulture funds are actually waiting for them to come up in profit. And I think it's very sad to think that our pillar banks that have been bailed out by, by us, the people, and uh, sold them to the vulture funds, who are actually waiting now to, to increase in their values. Well, yeah, well, a lot of the, the property owners will say that they are looking for an increased value because they'll get, obviously, more money back from that. Uh, but, but should they be targeted outside of the banks? I mean, should we be looking at either ones that are in receivership from the banks or indeed property owners and, and make them do something with the building rather than having it idle? I mean, the building could be used for a shop front. It could be used for accommodation. How many people in local towns are looking for accommodation? They can't find it. And if we had freed up these buildings, you could have people living in the upstairs of a particular unit of a shop front. 
Oh, you're, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. But, like, it, it's a fright to think that, that properties that have been repossessed or that have been um, been taken off of people to see them lying idle mm. for, for three and four years is just not acceptable. Now, it's going back to the other story. Like, some of these people that have been put out of these properties, I actually, yesterday, I had a man on to me who um, was put into receivership uh, up in Cork City. And that man had properties where there was people living, uh, exactly as you're saying, overhead the properties and living in the, 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 the properties. And when he was put into receivership, the tenants got two months to get out of those properties. Now, each one of them, there were people living in them. They were 100%. Everything was 100% right in them. And when those people are put out of the properties, the doors are locked. And he actually even said to me yesterday that they're still locked. Now, we have people sleeping in the streets above in, in, in Cork City. And to think that there's properties overhead where they're actually sleeping, they have full, they're perfect to live in, perfect accommodation, and they're being tied up by the banks and by our financial institutions. It's an absolute disgrace. Like, if they had fair enough, if they have to take it back, well, why not leave the people in the property and let them pay away the rent and be bringing down a reducing balance? But, like, instead of that, they'll leave them idle, and we have people sleeping in the streets. So fast-track the situation whereby if someone does find themselves in a situation where they are in receivership, to fast-track it and don't have something lying idle there for six to nine months or or have something in place whereby the tenants can pay, pay the receiver, if that would work. But you see, here we are into the problem, we'll come back into our vulture fund situation again. Mm, yeah. Whereas the, the banks are selling to these vulture funds, uh, they're tying up the whole thing and we have people uh, suffering every day because of this. And do you think the majority of buildings in county towns, so a lot of them might be in receivership and, and that's why they're lying idle, more than property owners looking to make money for a sale of a property? Oh, I would think a vast majority of the ones that are, that are laying vacant are, um, are in receivership. Okay, that's an interesting different take on that for the moment. No, uh, e- even you have people who are running shops and running things inside the premises. Yeah. That, that's... Uh, the, the, the owners actually, they were paying their rent, they were paying everything up to date, but the owners actually fell behind. And in a lot of those cases, those premises were forced to, to close and, and get out of the businesses when they went into receivership. And then forced to close and, and obviously leave the building as it was. Leave the building as it was, yeah. yeah. Okay, but well, like, we... our, our whole legal system is an absolute disgrace because, like, going back to the house situation again, we see where those people have been put out of their own house put out their own family homes. The houses are now lying idle. And I can actually, I know of three people who've come to me for social housing, where their own houses, are, they were put up by our court system. Those houses are lying idle today. And these people are being put onto the market, onto the social housing market, to actually deprive somebody else of a house. And the house that they were put out is lying idle. It's an absolute disgrace to where our legal system is treating the, the, the people and treating our housing situation. And many of those houses you mentioned can lie idle and actually be boarded up and left that way for a number of years. Problem. They're, they're boarded up. And like, even in the farming community, I, I, in, in the last couple of months, I have actually come across three farmers who are actually sleeping in cows. And I think it's a disgrace to think that their homes are actually locked up and boarded up. It's just scandalous. Because they, they've just fallen foul of payments, is it, or...? Looking family situations and then and where people have been put out, like, like we have particular solicitors who are actually specialising in this kind of uh, this kind of abuse, which is actually um, creating, putting people out of their homes just for, in order that they're making big money out of it. And and the, the houses lying out, you know, uh, locked up and, as you say, boarded up, um, gates across doors and things like that. 
and people living practically homeless because of these laws. Yeah, no, you are, and it has been discussed that the legal system does need reform in this country, especially when it comes to so many things like around family law and around housing and that type of thing. Uh, Frank, wait, let us wait, know wait, if there's wait, anything wait, comes back talking? regarding the, the Corrin uh, situation and the traffic in Fermoy. We must leave it there. But thanks for joining us this morning. That is Councillor Frank Roach on the particular issue of traffic in Fermoy and derelict buildings leading to a situation whereby many towns feel they're not in a good position. Also, you have people who are looking for accommodation. They could get accommodation and live over a shop if they indeed uh, had the ability to do that but of course a lot of the uh, shops and buildings uh, as Frank feels are in receivership and that's why and you have another situation from that report I mentioned whereby uh, they claim property owners are looking for more money to get to when they sell their property uh, and Frank make it a good point there he feels a lot of the properties are in receivership and that's why uh, they're lying idle anyhow our lines are open your views are welcome 1850 333103 text or whatsapp 0862103103 uh, accessing GPs, do you find it hard to get an appointment for your own GP or are you new to a town here in Cork and you cannot get a GP and you have to travel elsewhere? Discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now we've heard concerns from many people in various parts of Cork who are finding it hard to access GP services. McCroom is the latest area and Deputy Andreas Moynihan joins me on this. Good morning to you, Andreas. Good morning. Good morning what is God. the situation in McCroom? First of all, how many GPs now are practising there in the town? Yeah, there are six GPs operating out of McCroom and they're covering a uh, the town but also a very large hinterland uh, and while there are other GPs in say Ballivorne and Coachford and Clodove there's a lot of crossover so for example a McCroom GP could be serving people in Dunamore or in Ballingary, um or in Ballivorne. Um they, they'd have a big rural hinterland and despite having that big rural hinterland they don't have the rural practice status but the big issue is that they, that the out-of-hours cover is very challenging for McCroom GPs across that whole area. And as a result, it's more and more difficult to attract new GPs into the area. And it's very challenging for GPs that are there at the moment for to keep up with, the, with what's there. And then that's going to have a knock-on effect out on a lot of members of the public in different ways. What we're hearing as well as people who have moved to the Midcork area, they're finding it hard to obtain a GP, mainly because, and you'll know this yourself, in the last number of years, people have purchased houses in Cladove, Crookstown, uh, Coachford, those areas whereby they would travel and use services in McCroom. GP is one of those and they can't find the GP. So they're travelling to different areas. One woman earlier told us off air that she's travelling from McCroom to Killarney because she was new to McCroom, couldn't get a GP and she got a GP in the end in Killarney. That's right. Um, where people ha- like pe- people are being impacted in a lot of different ways. There's the, the obvious ones are people who have moved in aren't able to get registered with the, the GPs locally because the GPs are overwhelmed locally. And uh, they'll end up most likely staying with the GP wherever they moved from, whether it's Tralee or Mallow or wherever. Um, but also people who have lived in the town for many years and quite healthy and hadn't any need for a GP, but now maybe in later life that they do need to register with a GP or they want to register their children, they're going to be challenged as well. And people who might want to switch GP are uh, people who are 
using the ordinary services and want to use the out-of-hour cover, uh, that's busier and they have to travel further to Bandon. Or even people who lived in the area and had access to outreach uh, clinics, say, for example, in Ballingary, GPs don't have the time for... And it's, it's hitting people in a lot of different ways. They're having to travel further, for example, like, like your person there now going to Canarney. Uh, tip, it's, it's not unusual to hear of people who would have held on to their GP in Cork and might be working in Cork and driving out if there's a sick child to collect them from the school in McCroom and turning around and going back into Cork again for the GP. Or another situation that comes up is that they would use the out-of-hours cover uh, going to going to the out of hours in the evening uh, for to avail of that because they don't have a regular GP service and that's going to put extra pressure then on the out of hour service and really like the the out of hours is a big big aspect of it because if you're a GP in in the McCroom area you're on a route of one and seven which means you're on one of seven nights doing nighttime cover. And that contrasts very much with a Cork City one, which would be one and 31 just over the road. So you might only be on once a month or less. And that makes the job a lot less attractive for GPs, and it's more difficult to get GPs into the area. It's already challenging to get GPs around the country, but it just makes McCroom that bit more difficult uh, to get GPs into the area. And this is what I was highlighting in the Dáil with the Minister. I raised it previously, uh, about almost a year and a half, two years ago, and the expectation was that uh, the new contract is going to resolve a lot of the difficulties. And the new GP contract came along earlier this year, before the summer, and it didn't address the issues that are there in McCroom. So I was highlighting it again with the Minister. Look, you have to look at this out-of-hours service, the, the McCroom unique situations, the out-of-hour service, the rural practice, uh, and to to give us a chance to be on a level playing field so that we can attract new GPs into the area and serve the growing population. And if there are new GPs who want to move there, as you made a point, if you're looking at towards Cork City, they will have to work harder than their colleagues up the road, maybe in Balling Colleagues, apart from the fact that we're finding it hard to get them. It might be a turn-off for them. And is there more GPs likely to retire in the McCroom area? Well, we've already seen a, a recent retirement and there's a, a locum service in place. Um, it's, we, we know that around the country it's difficult for to get uh, retirements replaced, but it's, it's going to be that bit more challenging here in McCroom. We've seen it already where the job has been advertised twice. One person came forward the first time, nobody the second time. I've highlighted it with the HSE and asked them to go further afield looking for people and they're advertising internationally on it now, uh, but it, it, it could take some time, and it has been taking time for it to get uh, that position refilled. Um, and like the GPs are offering a very good service locally. We're still able to get same-day appointments, and you have to give credit to the GPs on that. But it, it's like an elastic band. It's only going to last so long. And there's increasing pressure there, and it's being felt both by the GPs, but also by the wider public in so many different ways. 
And what can happen? I mean, you mentioned the, the various contracts there from the HSC and we know we've heard from rural areas of Ireland whereby, and indeed of Cork, where GPs, young GPs just don't want to work there. They'd rather be in a busy city environment or, or near big hospitals. McCroom wouldn't be considered very rural. It's, it's quite near Cork City. Uh, some of the areas around it maybe, but, you know, itself, you could live in McCroom. It's a good town to live in. It's, it's near near everything. Uh, what, what can be the reason outside of the out-of-hours service whereby they'll have, they'll have a lot more work to do if that was sorted is there other areas or is there other reasons why we can't attract them yeah it's it's the the principal blockage really because McCroom is a good place to live and a good place to work I and mean, you've seen that where people are moving to the area uh, and uh, that, that that's actually adding to some of the pressure but the out of hours is really the the biggest part of the, the problem there. There is the fact that it doesn't have the rural practice status mm. despite uh, serving areas from the Lost Valley up to Malachanish and around Bagorakoring. But the biggest principal issue on it is the out of hours where you're on one in seven nights. And that contrasts very much with uh, just over the road where you're on a Cork, Cork City road of one in 31. And you can see why it would be more attractive for a GP. So really what we need to do is to to address that question of the out of hours, to put us on a level playing field so that we can compete with any GPs that are there uh, for to attract them in there because McCroom has a lot going for it and people are already moving to the area proving that. Um, but it's to put us on a level playing field so that we can compete for any GPs that are there. And really it's to, to address that question of the out-of-hours cover, uh, to remove that blockage, uh, give some bit of breathing space to people who are there uh, and to the to the public. Uh, at the moment, if you're using the, if you're living in McCroom and you're using the out-of-hours service, uh, you could find yourself having to go to Bandon for to get cover instead of it being in McCroom. Um, or you could find that a lot of people are coming in, that it's a busier out-of-hours service uh, than what it, it needs to be uh, if people were able to get ordinary services during the day. So really, uh, what I was doing was highlighting it with the Minister and with the HSE uh, to see if they can work with the co-op and bring about a situation where they can improve that out-of-hours and remove that blockage so that McCroom could uh, compete on a level playing field with any other area uh, for to attract GPs into the into the area and have extra GPs for the growing population. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens uh, with that particular situation and, and outside of the actual out of hours uh, and the less staff there to do all, all the work, you have the situation whereby those who may be in the city will have less journeys than those in the McCroom area because, as you mentioned, they're serving a wider area, uh, more or less going from Ballyvorney nearly over as far as Dunamore. Before I let you go there, uh, Andreas, a story that is breaking this morning, might be aware of this on some TDs uh, that regularly record their attendances in Leinster House for expenses purposes, but they don't take part in any dull votes and it's done using a FOB system. A number of the TDs have been named this morning. Uh, one of those includes actually your uh, Fianna Fáil leader, Michal Martin, and his colleague, uh, his colleague Willie O'Dea. Uh, what do you make of this particular... I mean, some people are saying it's a non-story, but still the taxpayers do pay quite a lot for the travel and accommodation allowance scheme. And is it a situation that TDs simply are doing other work in Leinster House? Or could it be a situation that they're getting somebody else to scan the electronic FOB and then they're elsewhere. 
Yeah, it's it's difficult to say. I haven't seen the figures now myself on it, but I would be fairly confident that my own voting record should be fairly strong on it, that I would be present uh, for for the the vast bulk, if, if not all of those. Um, I would imagine that there that there are pairing arrangements made with different people for to be absent on the, the Thursdays. Um, that'll be in a small number of, of people, uh, involving a small number of people. Uh, it is important to be taking part in the debates and in the in the votes. And I know from my own position on it that I very much take that seriously and that my role is representing people locally and do take part in as many of those votes and debates as I possibly can. I would have a, a fairly good record on it. But I do, I do accept that there would be people who would have different pairing arrangements, whether they would have to be to, uh, going to Europe or going to to different roles as well and that they might have uh, that they might not be able to participate in as many of the, the votes And for claiming the particular expenses for them travelling to Dublin and overnight accommodation could you have a situation whereby a TD has gone away early isn't there on one of the days and is and even though they might be doing work in their own constituency they are claiming for travel and expenses in Dublin while they may be back in Cork or Kerry or Tipperary or wherever and they could have a colleague or someone they know just scanning the electric fob. Uh, it shouldn't be happening that way. But it could um, happen. I, it, it could. But uh, And do I, you know if it does happen? I, I don't see that happen. Um, I know very much that all of my fob-ins I can send over them being present there. Uh, and I know many of my colleagues as well are taken very, very seriously and that you would be present doing your, your own fob-in and, uh, fob-in and, and voting and uh it is possible, I'd imagine, but no, I, I, I don't see that it would be a right way or uh, best practice in any way. I'm but some way. TDs could chance it. I mean, it is possible that I, if I was a TD in the Dáil, I could give you my fob and say, will you scan that there for me while I go somewhere else and then I claim Tom the expenses. Paul, I wouldn't do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but you would have a few that could do that. It's a mindset that like, a few TDs could do that and get their expenses that way. I would. Uh, like that. It's it's open to you're basing it on on trust really that people are are signing and fobbing in there there is a facility where you sign the, the book as well manually if you're not fobbing on and maybe that would give additional security or confidence on it uh, that risk is there I it would be wrong to be doing it uh, there wouldn't be any way of sending over it um, no I and I I'm, I know that members do take it very seriously. Uh, I know I do, and my colleagues around me. Uh, but that risk is possibly there. Uh, doesn't mean that be, I, I can't stand over anyone that would be doing it. OK, well, I know a lot of those whose names are coming out this morning are saying they were doing elsewhere and they were doing other things. Then others haven't come out as yet. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what comes from this. It's only a breaking story in the last number of hours for the moment. Uh, Andreas, thank you for joining us this morning. That is uh, Deputy Andreas Minehan, Fianna Fáil Deputy for Cork Northwest, on the issue of the lack of GPs in the Mid-Cork and McCroom area, which is causing concern for many who are trying to access GPs. And also on that story this morning regarding those uh, TDs who record or their attendances in the doll, many for expenses purposes. Anyhow, more on that across the morning as well. 1850-333-103, text of WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the way, we're going to speak to the director of the Sexual Violence Centre, Mary Crilly. 
uh, fears that rape is being normalised uh, following a 45% increase in the service last year here in Cork. And also, uh, we're going to catch up in your calls and comments on the various issues we've discussed so far this morning and indeed on the issue of cyclists on our roadways. Emails uh, that we didn't get to on yesterday's show. That and more to come. C103, good morning to you. Our lines are open and Bernie takes your calls and comments this morning to 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can also send us a private message on Facebook to at C103Cork or tweet to at C103Cork this morning as well. And you can email me jp at c103.ie. A number of emails in regarding what we spoke about yesterday on the show regarding cyclists and that new law that is due to come in next month on the dangerous overtaking of cyclists whereby motorists will get a fine and indeed penalty points if they overtake a cyclist in a dangerous manner. I'll get to those emails in a while regarding that. But just going back to what we spoke about earlier on the show and this one's traffic in Formoy and the fact that from one councillor in the area, Frank Roach, he feels that if the current toll was actually taken away, that it would reduce traffic in Formoy because that realistically brings a ring road around the town. And instead of them going off applying for planning and trying to get a, another road made and built uh, this would just solve the situation but it would mean that someone has to compensate the toll uh, and those that run the toll operators of course so they'll want the money back for that so on that a number of people have been in touch and as we discussed yes a lot of companies will make their employees drive through a town to avoid the toll because obviously it's going to cost the company less and if the person who's working for the company decides well you know I'll save time and I will go through the actual toll it's up to that employee then to pay the actual toll he won't be refunded or get anything back in their expenses so a lot of people on text and phone making that particular point but Tim in Bandon says we don't need tolls we're paying enough for fuel and insurance and anyone driving a pre-08 car are paying crazy car tax will the tolls be removed once the motorways are paid for that's the practice in a lot of countries says Tim in Bandon and yeah you'd think at this stage that particular motorway uh, I'm not too sure how long it's there it's over 10 years or, or more at this stage uh, but you would think that it would be nearly uh, paid for but not too sure if they're going to keep the tolls presume they will keep tolls uh, on those particular motorways even if they are paid for but I know in other countries especially in Europe and across the continent they do remove them uh, once they are paid and then you have areas whereby the tolls are left there because they are there for a reason they might have a tunnel or something and to get people uh, off the streets and to use another area of a city they will charge that particular route just for sake of charging making money for the area that can be done as well but for a lot of the motorways that are built in public partnerships like the ones here in this country in other countries what does happen and Tim is right is after a while the tolls will be removed once the motorways are paid for anyhow Tim thanks for your WhatsApp on that regarding what's happening in the Doyle and what's coming out this morning from the RT Investigates programme on TDs and this basically is where uh, TDs recording their attendance in Leinster House uh, something that they must do to claim travel expenses but while they claim to be in Linster House they're missing the entire day's votes and because of that the investigation reveals a number of TDs that are doing that basically it's questioning if they actually were in Linster House at all and maybe were they elsewhere no there could be a genuine reason they could be could have been doing work uh, in Leinster House and maybe didn't go voting that particular day because they were doing work in Leinster House they could have been doing work elsewhere in Dublin for uh, something in their own area and they, even though they were in Leinster House for office duties they may have left again and gone to other areas of Dublin 
or could they have gone home? Could they have left early and gone home and, and attended to other things they had to attend to at home in their own constituency? Anyhow, the most frequently missed uh, ones uh, and missed votes on days where these TDs clocked in, claimed they were in Leinster House, but still they didn't vote on any vote on that particular day. The top two are independent TDs from Kerry, Michael Healy-Ray and Danny Healy-Ray. Also Fianna Gales in the Kinney, independent TD Noel Grealish and the Fianna Fáil leader Michal Martin plus his party colleague Willie O'Dea. They top it there when it comes to those who uh, claim they were in the Dáil but did not vote on any of those days even though they fobbed into the Dáil which means basically they, they, they scanned their electronic fob claiming they were in the actual Interhouse uh, building. Now, uh, the reason uh, people aren't happy about this this morning is because this travel and accommodation allowance scheme, it's costing us, the taxpayer, 2.9 million euros a year. Uh, so the fear is, and I did put this to Deputy Andres Moynan when he joined us before 11 o'clock, uh, could you have a situation, and he doesn't think it is happening, but it could happen. He did say that, it could be happening or it might happen, but... Uh, as far as he doesn't know if it's happening or not. Anyhow, it could happen that you might have a situation whereby one TD will give his fob to another TD and say, you, you know, swipe me in there for today. I have other things to do. And then that person will be able to claim their expenses for that particular day, even though they may not be in Dublin. So could you have a situation whereby a TD... Uh, leaves Dublin on a Wednesday, gives a fob to a friend or a colleague, they swipe in and even though they didn't stay in Dublin overnight, they'll get the expenses for that. Is that what's happening? We'll have to wait and see what comes out on this particular story. It, it is open to that happening though. Uh, on this, uh, Kev on Twitter to at C103 Cork, he feels that it's a bit of a non-story. He goes, fine, maybe they uh, have not been voting. Maybe they were in committees or doing other work. But now, if they are claiming they were there while being at home or elsewhere, then that is a different situation altogether says Kevin Twitter to at C103 Cork and Eddie in Oven says why don't the government bring in a fingerprint system like most other uh, factories do across the country uh, so the employees can't clock in and out for each other they would have to use their own indiv- individual fingerprints uh, says Eddie in Ovens while Dennis says JP I was on a false course about seven or eight years ago now granted this was before they changed the solace but I don't know what the current situation is but we were given clocking cards for when we arrived in the morning to to track our attendance as we were paid to be on the course anyhow. So day one, the first thing we were told was we were to clock in ourselves and if we got someone to do it for us, it was an instant dismissal from the course for the person doing the course and the one who clocked them in if we were caught. So two people would lose out on the course if they were caught clocking in for each other, says Dennis on text 0862103103. Not too sure if that will happen in this particular situation. And regarding pensions, uh, John says the message regarding pensions, and this is where everybody that is working is now going to be made basically take out a pension that's coming uh, from the government as they want everybody when they reach retirement age that they will have funds to fund themselves in a situation as we know we're getting a country that's getting older a lot of we're a very young country but as we move on in years we will have a lot of people who are going to be over 60 so they're ensuring that people have their own funds for when they are in retirement 
retirement rather than looking after and relying on the state to provide funds for them so that's why everybody will be uh, forced more or less to take on a pension we were saying that a lot of people in the last 10 years had lost out with pensions because the fact the of the crash in this country and you might be coming up to retirement age you might have had a pension for a certain amount and you might have got nothing or you might have got a fraction of your particular pension and you're really relying now on the state pension because of the government dipping into all our pension pots for about three or four years making sure that we all lost out when it came to claiming your pension especially those who were near pension age within the last 10 years anyhow on that and John says uh, the message with the pensions is basically don't trust Fina Gale and we are all basically working for them feels John while Joe says yes I totally agree it's hard to justify and listen to anybody from any of the parties in government or indeed out of government when it comes to pensions I was due my pension two years ago uh, it did perform in the last three to four years but I got a fraction of what I should have got it was disheartening to think that I paid in a lot more than I actually received and mainly that was because of the crash but also because the government put their greedy paws into all our pension pots which mean I now have less of a pension I can live for a few years off this pension but I basically have to save it and watch how I live and I will really be relying on the state pension if I did not have the state pension then I think I would be in trouble but even getting access to the state pension you have to jump through Hoops, uh, says Joe on text to 0862103103. And regarding the toll bridge and tolls here in Cork, anyhow, on the M8, a texter here is saying, if you travel from Cork to Dublin, you have a toll in Watergrass Hill and another in Port Leash. Is that not enough free up for Fermoy? Uh, Frank is right uh, regarding what he suggests that freeing up the actual Corran toll bridge and having that removed should free up the system with already uh, two tolls, one in Watergrass Hill and another in Port Leash. If they were going to have no toll in Corran, well, people would be caught anyhow further up the road when they get to Port Leash, says that particular texter regarding the toll situation and the traffic in Fermoy. Uh, 1850 333 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. You can always email jp at c103.ie on the issue of emails. And this is coming from yesterday regarding cyclists and the new rule that's coming in, the new law that's coming in from next month, whereby cyclists, if, you, if you're in a car or a truck or whatever, you'll be fined and you'll receive penalty points if you overtake a cyclist in a dangerous manner. Now, we got a lot of calls. We discussed this at length on the programme yesterday and the day before, just catching up on a number of emails uh, that have come in to us on different angles than what we have discussed over the last two days. The first email from Dennis to jp at c103.ie. And Dennis says he has been a haulier for many years and he has some sympathy for cyclists as there's no infrastructure put in place for them. Before Dennis can put his vehicle on the road, it has to be clearly identified with a number plate. It has to be taxed and insured and tested. So he feels it's wrong that someone can take a reg number of a car and contact the guardie to make a complaint about some driving while cyclists are not identifiable. There should be something put in place where the motorist could also make a complaint about a cyclist. If the minister is going to put a law in place, then it has to be fair on both sides, says Dennis. And also Eileen on email says, listening to your programme regarding cyclists and the distance vehicles must allow for a cyclist, that is fine, but we need to educate cyclists on road manners regarding other cyclists. I cycle and carry a child on my crossbar and sometimes behind and on cycling slowly, but I have been over 
overtaken by speed marching cyclists without so much as a tinkle of their bells. In Europe, people are more educated on the etiquette of cycling. When they are about to overtake, they give a mild tinkle on their bell to warn you they are coming up behind. I think all children doing cycling courses in school, their parents didn't get to do them, so perhaps having this clause in school could be included in the course, especially when they cycle on the footpath, because in most small Irish towns, it's the only safe place to cycle. In Europe, when you buy a bike, it's compulsory to do a course in cycling. This should be mandatory also in Ireland. But how are we going to regulate that when you buy bikes in shops that are not specialised bike shops? Clonakilty Council built a new road on the waterfront and no cycling lane. They could even have drawn a white line on the footpath for cyclists. But in this day and age, no cycling lane, it seems, is not acceptable. Uh, and you're right, Eileen, uh, cycling lane for that new development there in Clonakilty would have been Cork County Council would have been behind that, of course, but, uh, and it would have allowed planning. But on that particular uh, area there, I would have thought there was a cycling lane, but Eileen saying no, uh, no cycling lane, and that's not acceptable. And indeed, um, you would think for new developments and everybody pushing people to go cycling that they would have uh, put a cycling lane on that new development as in other counties they are. Anyhow, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens when that law comes out and uh, what comes out from people if they feel they were wronged when overtaking a cyclist. Will there be cases taken? It is an interesting one and it is a one that caused a lot of debate this week on the programme. Thank you for your emails to jp at c103.ie. On the way, uh, more discussion on Halloween, also our Gardafile. And next, we'll be speaking to Mary Crilly, Director of the Sexual Violence Centre here in Cork. She fears that rape is being normalised following a 45% increase in in service users last year. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for an experienced cleaner wanted for general house cleaning in the Fermoy area, three hours every second week. References and your own transport is essential. Contact 087 Plumbers, labourers and electricians are wanted. Send your CVs to admin at bathroombuilders.ie. Any beauty therapist is wanted for an immediate start in the Mallow area. Full and part-time positions are available. Send your CV to livingbeautydayspa at gmail.com. you find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The director of the Sexual Violence Centre here in Cork, Mary Criddy, fears that rape is being normalised following a 45% increase in service users to her organisation last year. And Mary Criddy joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for joining us, Mary. I suppose, first of all, you do welcome people using your service, but this makes us aware still and it proves that sexual abuse, it's still going on across our society, isn't it? I think it does. And I think like the more the increase kind of happens and the more people come in, really shows the reality and the prevalence of it. I don't think it shows the fact that it's happening more. I think just people are coming in more. Um, and really, one of the girls, in our society will be for sexual assault in their lifetime. And it's unusual to come across a young girl who hasn't been touched, fondled, grabbed in some kind of way. You know, even if they haven't been sexually assaulted, as they might call it. I mean, that is a type of sexual assault. So it is going and it's been tolerated and it's going on wholesale. I mean, what I meant kind of by normalising it is kind of most people and young men get raped as well. I mean, there is getting raped. I don't uh, deny that. But men are more likely to get beaten up 
unfortunately than anything else happened to them. So just to kind of not cover it, but just to acknowledge it, because if a man does come to you and say he's been raped, it's serious. You know, it's not like a joke. Mm. It's not like, ha, ha, ha. You know, it does happen. So when I concentrate on the women, it's just that that's the majority of people who do about it. But most of them, 80% will know who raped them. And that's what makes it very difficult for them to report it. It could be, you know, the best friend's husband. It could be somebody they work with and they might have to leave their work place because they can't bear being in the same office or work situation as them because they're terrified of them and they just can't do it, which is awful because it doesn't just affect the person on the night, on the day, or whenever it happens. It affects every aspect of their life. It's nearly easier uh, being raped by a stranger because you don't have any further contact with them and you get the support of your friends. But when it's somebody you know, it makes it really difficult. And what the guys often do would be... Um, I know a woman was saying to me that one day where she was raped by a friend in her home. Now, again, I really need to say, this is probably my need to say, that the majority of men aren't doing this and that men do make sure women get home quite safely. But the ones who are raping are consistent and continuous about doing it. So he was dropping her home and he raped her on the way. And she went in home, he dropped her off. Of course he did. She was shattered. People wake up the next day thinking, this really happened. I don't believe it. I'm shocked. This is a nightmare. Meanwhile, knock, knock on the door and the mother comes up to her and says, what's wrong with you? I thought we were going to have shopping today and there's a lovely young boy downstairs. He said he dropped her home because he ran an office date. At least you could come down and say thank you to him. So, I mean, whereas, you know, talk about trying to normalise the thing or play head games with people, that is what rape is about. It's rarely kind of, you know, what we like to think about a stranger or it's rarely kind of somebody wearing something that some man might think is kind of, opportunistic and rape her because of what she's wearing is nothing to do with that. And do you think, Mary, that, that way, people are, are finding it tough go bringing items and indeed bringing cases forward because, as you mentioned there, our legal system as well can make things tough when people do go to court. Is that turning people off and are you our, hearing our, that? Totally. Our legal system isn't fit for purpose. Like, if you think about it, the guards may investigate and do the best they can with the best will in the world and then to get it to court is one first battle and then to get a conviction is a second battle what I'd love to see in court would be um, some kind of education for the jury because it's the jury who are kind of um, deciding that somebody's not guilty it's not the judge the judge can only pass sentence and really proceedings in the court but the jury who are saying not guilty so you could have a barrister who's kind of saying to the jury she didn't report and that's unusual that's very rare and it's not that's not very rare at all so I'd love if a team of whoever else, nothing to do with us, because we wouldn't be trusted, who would come in and say, look, this is myths to do it, rape and sexual assault. This is what the research shows, that people don't this kind of thing. So if Barrett does throw something like that the jury, at least they know, well, that's not true. And let's just leave the facts of the case and what happened on the night uh, and not her credibility. Because that's the first thing they'll go after. How credible is she? Um, and really try and twist her around the place to see can she be deemed to be uncredible in any kind of way regarding what time something happened or where she was or where she said she was or how she said you're wearing your red coat going on, which is it? Um, and they look at the jury and they say, wouldn't you know if something awful happened to you on a night? Wouldn't you know what you were wearing? All this kind of stuff goes on before they even get to the, the details of exactly what happened. Yeah, and that is why, and we've heard that as well, and you've heard it more on why people don't go forward with cases because they've heard this coming from other cases and it can put them off. You mentioned there uh, regarding uh, young men being raped as well. Are you seeing all ages of people coming to you or is it just we younger people? We are seeing all ages. 
No, I, I think if you look at the SATA report, they probably, sexual assault treatment unit, they probably will have mainly young girls going because the older ones who are raped would not go to get checked out. They will not go, to, they might go to their own doctor, they will not go to a unit, they won't go to the guards. They feel huge shame. And that's something that's really awful to do with a sexual assault, where if somebody got robbed, they could come into work and say, God, you know what happened to me last night? Or if somebody got hit by a car, they'd say, do you know, I had a near miss last night, do you know what happened? But if somebody gets raped, all of a sudden, they're supposed to feel because uh, it is about power and control, but it's a sexual act as well. And we the conversation. Your, your phone is just tipping in and out there Mary you might just move around to just disappear there okay. for one moment as you were talking but you were explaining there about people coming forward and the age range there yeah the age range we would see people from 14 up we see people in 14 years of old in the centre we see both young boys and young girls and we've also met 70 year old women who've been raped and I think clearly when we look at the rape of a child or rape of an older woman or rape of a male maybe in their 50s or 60s we can see very clearly that's about violence. We can see very clearly that it's appalling and that it's so wrong and it's nothing to do with the victim as such. I hate using that term, but just to get the message across. But it still happens that if a young girl gets raped, all of a sudden it's a grey area and it's her fault. And it's not. It's the same act. It could even be the same person doing it. And why is one victim blamed and the other isn't? Because none of them are to blame. It's the perpetrator who does it is at fault. And that's why we need to keep talking about it and talking about it. And I can guarantee you, if perpetrators came to the people they raped and said, look, I'm really sorry. I really am sorry. I doubt if they'd go to the guards because often they just want to know, why me? Why did you pick on me? What did I do to, to make you do this? Even their words would be to make you do this. You know, again, them taking responsibility. And it's never their responsibility or their fault. And one thing, Mary, and, uh, that, that's evident, and I'm getting a lot of text on this, and this could be anywhere, it could be a village, it could be the city, it could be a town. At the end of the night, when you have a lot of people out and you, for example, have a guy who might be trying to get a, a kiss off a girl and both could be very drunk, both there could be drugs involved, whatever. It's becoming more relevant, I think, these days that you will see, uh, and we're just going to use the guy situation on this, the guy persisting on the girl, and she'll say no, he'll keep persisting, he'll more or less put her against the wall and say, come on and kiss me. And you will see there the guy's friends coming over and pulling the girl or pulling the, the guy off the girl and saying, will you just leave her alone? Come away. And that guy will still remain persistent until the friends get them away from each other. Uh, if the friends aren't there, we all know that that can lead from one thing to another. I mean, there's no excuse for rape, but it, are the concoction of drink and drugs, is it leading to more situations of this happening? It is leading to it, but I think, you know, say if you think about those friends that pulled them off, and it's great when the friends do, but more times than not, they don't they ignore it. Those friends aren't going to do that to a girl. They're not going to rape somebody. They're not going to push somebody up against the wall. They're the guys that aren't doing it, and it's great to see them calling out their friend and saying it's not on. So it's not necessarily to do the drink, um, because they're not doing it. It's to do it if somebody has this in their mind frame to do this, they do it, drink or no drink. If they see a young girl very drunk, well, then she's more vulnerable, more of a target. That's the way they look at it. They look at these, you know, young people or, or men or women or whoever they're raping as targets, as kind of vulnerable, as kind of who they're going to get. It's like a game. It's like a chase. It's about power and control, nothing else. It's not about having sexual gratification that we all might think about. It's just about power and control. 
And Jerry on text, you mentioned there uh, about men being raped. He's asking, is the crime that you mentioned about men being raped, has, have more men come forward? Because he, he seems that men would have been slow to come forward over the last number of years with a story that was on Coronation Street uh, over the last number of, over the last two years, I think, anyhow, regarding one of their characters uh, who was raped by another man. Has that brought that particular situation out in the open more and are more males coming to you because of those I mean, type more, of storylines? More males are definitely coming to us. I think the stats show here we 15 to 20% of males. Um, men in general used to go to one and four or kind of private counselling or that kind of place, but they are coming to us more, men who've been abused as children or men who've been raped as adults because I think the more we talk about it and the more we keep saying, you know, this is happening to you guys as well. I'm really sorry it's happening, but please talk about it. Please come here or go privately or go somewhere because it wasn't your fault. And we need to get rid of the whole scenario that a guy getting raped is a joke because we need to look at what happens to a man when he gets raped or a woman when she gets raped. Both are appalling. But unfortunately, girls are told since a very early age, watch what you're doing, watch where you walk, watch who you're with, watch everything. It's a bit like don't breathe. Um, So after rape, they still know who they are. A lot of young girls would come in because they say they've met a really lovely young guy and they want to be with him, but they can't bear the closeness or the intimacy. Um, but men after rape don't know who they are anymore. They haven't been told about this. They feel they, as people, they don't know who they are. Like women still know, well, whatever sexuality they were before the rape, they're still the same. It might take them a while to get into a relationship again, but they know who they are. But men are totally lost, totally lost. It takes everything from them, not just the physical kind of um, scenario of what happened. It takes everything from them. And then they might see this guy the next day or see him in court or see him somewhere and they think, my God, I could have taken him a one wallop. Why didn't I just, you know, fight him? Because yeah. you you either fight or flight. It's kind of that scenario. So we do need to keep talking about it and realising it is a violent crime and it's vicious and that it does happen to men as well and it is very serious. And does it frustrate you because obviously we, we hear a lot from court cases and you'll, you'll hear the reporters saying the girl or the guy had been raped by X, Y or Z. Uh, does it frustrate you the fact that people hear those stories and don't react whereby if we were reporting a knife and saying that there was five people knifed last night on the Grand Parade everybody would be in uproar whereby if there was five people raped you would have a different scenario and the reaction from people does that frustrate you? It totally frustrates me it frustrates me the language I hear like that and the girls are driving the boys mad look what they're wearing like and my response to that would be you know, the guys aren't programmed to rape and the majority aren't raping if they were. Well, then we would know there's some kind of program in their brain to rape if they saw a girl and, you know, do Muslim women get raped, the elderly women get raped, the women who had genes on them get raped, everybody gets raped, it's nothing to do with what you're wearing. But it's basically like to say it takes two, it doesn't take two to rape, it just takes one. It does, but I think people really don't realise the extent of it. I think people still think rape is very rare and only happens occasionally. Whereas if you give figures of one in five, that really shocks people, I think. It does, yeah. It, it is shocking to, to see those particular figures. But Mary, uh, continued success and well done on the work that you two the, do there to highlight what is happening and indeed provide support to those who find themselves in those situations. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. For the moment, Mary, thank thanks you for joining for us. Thank you for all your support. Thank you. Uh, Mary Critty there. 
who is the director of the Sexual Violence Centre here in Cork on that uh, situation and the fear I suppose that rape uh, could be uh, normalised from what we hear on news and what we hear people saying that the shock factor is it going a bit on that and why it shouldn't be and why legal systems shouldn't be asking certain questions anyhow your views are welcome on that 1850 333103 text WhatsApp 0862 Text lines are currently closed. Stay in touch with what's happening in Cork. C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And it's time for this week's Garda file. We'll be going to Fermoy Garda Station and we're joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Sandra. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. First of all, you want to uh, discuss this was a robbery attempt uh, that was in Fremont. It was uh, on our news service. People might remember that. And there was uh, three arrested in this. Yeah, and there's no doubt, uh, John Paul, I, I think that it already has had quite an effect on uh, break-ins in the area. Um, uh, I won't say too much, there are a number of people charged, but uh, it, it was a, a successful operation, and I think it's very important that, um, uh, you, you know, the information that came in, you know, you know, the information was very valuable as we got sightings in the area and all, you know. Um, but I think... When some, something like that goes successful, it can have a great, very, very good impact, you know, and uh, for people to know that the guards are out there, where, where you, you know, um, uh, on operations, you know, looking at incidents like this, you know. Um, the second thing I just want to mention um, is Centra in Donnerell was broken into there recently. It was broken into at 4 a.m. last Monday morning. Now, the guards were on the scene within 30 seconds. They were in the area, and the alarm went off, and... Um, the the uh, the people that were trying to break in fled, but um, you know, as, so as I said, it was again a successful operation. Um, another word I just want to mention there: people are out, say, with their card and their wallet, their debit card and their wallet. Uh, we're seeing. I mentioned it there recently, and I just, just to reemphasise it, we had an incident down there lately in the last week there in in uh, Middleton. Person lost a car. There was nine different transactions online before it was spotted. Uh, sorry, six online and three were three were in the area. You know, so for people to take particular care, you know, look on their debit card now as they would look on losing cash. Just make sure that it's in a wallet. You know that it's not loose in the pocket that it can be easily lost because we can see a you know seven or eight incidents arising from that. You, you know straight away. Um, Another thing, just as we're talking cash and credit cards, fake 20s. There's fake 20s around. So I I just say to anyone in the service industries, you know, bars, restaurants, just make sure that they um, 
that they're aware at peak times, um, you, you know, of the fact. Yeah, be careful. Are around. Be careful. Be peak times you mentioned there is a lot of that will happen during the evenings, a rush hour, people running into a shop to get something and younger staff can be targeted. It will, and it will happen late at night in nightclubs as well, you know. And the main thing is, and you just made a good point, you know, younger staff being targeted. Yeah, we find that that's the case. And for people just to make sure that they have uh, staff uh, training procedures in place and that they sit down, they take the five minutes to sit down and, and show the genuine features of a note. Uh, you know, the, you know when, you, when you invert the note, you know, look for the... Look for the light changing features. Look for what's always a very good one to look for, um, and you can check that with um, some of the marker, marker pens. But the ones I like to look out for, if you have a UV light and you'll see the uh, the features on the genuine note light up, um, almost like a Christmas tree. You know the different features on the note. But again, I think one of the ones that has never ever been replicated. You have the small threads inside the note. Um, you know the fluorescence, red, yellow, greens. You know, and they, they, they're like they're like currants inside in the cake. They're inter- speckled all through the note. So again, just take that time to sit down with with younger staff in particular. You know, the feel of the note is very important. You know, the the, the genuine note. You know, there's a high quality feel. There's intaglio printing on the note that you can actually scrape it with your finger. You know, so take that time. Um, frauds are happening, um, and they're being detected as well. Um, there was a financial controller there with a firm in the North, North Cork area. Again, it's something we've, we've mentioned quite a few times on the, on the programme. In this case, they got an invoice from a company that they were dealing with. The invoice had been altered with it. Obviously, it had been intercepted online, taken down, and the banking details had been altered. But the financial controller, looking through it, spotted it straight away and made contact with the firm to discover, yes, that the invoice had been interfered with. So, you know, it's essential for anyone dealing with invoices in any firm, just make sure that there is all communication between themselves and their suppliers if there is any instance where they've been told, um, maybe by an email, that, you know, that they're the different, um, that they've changed banks and that, you know. Um, yeah, so just really take an eye out and keep an eye out on the online banking as well for, for keep, companies. Keep an eye out. Um, another one I just want to inform your listeners about it happened last Friday over there in the car park in LD in Mallow. So that's around 4.30. Now, this is something we've mentioned mentioned very uh, <coughs> frequently, but um, in this case, uh, it was a successful operation. Um, but you'll see the modus operandi that was implied straight away. This gang, they were travelling out of out out of Dublin. They're what I would describe as non-national travelling criminals. You could find them anywhere in the country. Um, they m- intercepted a lone female coming out of, coming out of Aldi. One man approached her, Maria, looking for directions. You know, they didn't know the Mallow area, wanted directions somewhere. The second person went to their car, uh, went to this lady's car, uh, rooted through the car, found two found two credit cards, and now. Um, Closed the car door afterwards. Now uh, she may have realised straight away that something something was wrong. Looked for the credit cards. Credit cards were gone. Contacted the guard straight away. Uh, uh, detective operating out of Malagada station was out. Um, we got very very good descriptions from 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 the lady in question and found the individuals trying to take out six hundred out of an ATM in Mallow. Both and were arrested and brought to Malagada station. So again, um, that is exactly something that we're seeing all the time, this thing of looking for directions. Obviously, what had happened was 
I, it would appear that one of them would have been behind this lady probably in the queue, got her PIN number. Uh, got the PIN number probably when she entered the PIN number, paying, paying for her messages. He would have communicated this to, uh, to, to a second person, his accomplice outside, that he had the PIN number and he needed now the cards. So the, again, they went to, the operation then would be to intercept the person, you know, use a decoy and by some means, whether you take them from the bag or take them from the car, would get the cards. You know, and so you could be putting shopping in the boot or in the back seat or something like that, and, and working away absolutely. yourself, and then they will pounce, and you'd be so distracted by putting things away, you were distracted more so by them asking for directions, and, and there's Correct. one fellow in front of you and the other guys behind taking Correct. care. Once well, you want to be careful too in supermarkets, uh, if you are inserting your pain, I know in some supermarkets they, they do hide uh, the actual yeah. device, but some supermarkets it's quite open, and you can yeah, see I it. And I saw myself, John, actually earlier this week, whereby I was putting in my number, and even the person behind the till in fairness to her gave me a look and I thought something was wrong there was a guy just walked right behind me as I was inputting my number and I just looked around to him and gave him a look to say why are you standing there and, and he moved on uh, but yeah, it can happen yeah. in some supermarkets whereby it's very open uh, you, you know you, but obviously if there isn't a cover uh, on, on on the control unit, you know, you just create a cover yourself with your, with your other hand, you know. But if they're standing uh, behind you looking over your shoulder. Yeah, we, we, but it just shows that there are fellas out there harvesting numbers the whole time. Um, and they will either cause a, cause a basically bump into you on the way out to try and get your wallet, to try and get your card. Um, but, you know, they're looking at this. Um, but we find that this particular modus operandi, it's always in... It's always in large stores that it's used. Tesco, Super Value, Lidl, Aldi, you know, that they will try and get the number and then intercept the person in the car park or else at the entrance exit to or from the store, you know, bump into them and take the card. So, again, um, as I said, uh, in, in a few of those incidents that we met on met today, you know, the, um, the guys were, you, you know, there when, when the incident happened. And the person discovering it straight away got out a good description you know, the car was in the area and, and got them, you know, they are going to try an ATM straight away, you know. God, you have to be very alert now, though, don't you, in those particular situations. Uh, also, John, you want to mention an incident in Whitegate, and this is where a lot of cars were broken into in the Whitegate area. Yes, um, we also had, <clears throat> I think in, uh, some of the housing estates are being still done at the moment, you know. In the, in the, case, in the case in Whitegate, and that's, um, <clears throat> that was on the 19th, there was a person got up, they heard something outside, they looked out the window, they saw a fellow going away from their own car, they heard him closing the door, they rang up straight away, there was a squad squad car out, looked around, found the individual, searched him, found items from the car, so we so we have a person for that incident, you know. Um, but the main thing is, for, for people, you know, they're not as conscious if they park a car in their own driveway of locking it. If they went to a car park, uh, say of a supermarket, if they went drove downtown, parked the parked the car, they'd lock it. But a lot of people are still not so conscious of of locking it when they're, when they're in its you know when it's in their own driveway. You know, but a driveway is not. It's I describe it as a semi-private space. You know, but I mean you don't have you know you don't have a you don't have a wall around it. You know, you don't in a lot of cases with the new housing states have have even a gate. You know, so you just have to keep your property locked. No, or even I, in a housing estate, you might just have a, an assigned car parking space and it could be away from your home. So you might even see your car when you're inside in your own house. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Keep your car locked and uh, make sure that there's nothing of value, you, you know, in the car. You know, it's like, 
it's like a shop window, uh, say, for criminals, that you go yeah. uh, go along looking into each one to see, see what's there. And after that, uh, try, to, try the doors, you know. And one thing and one of our listeners actually pointed out the last time, because uh, it happened to them, was if you press the buzzer, just go and check that the car is actually locked. Physically go and try the handle, because sometimes the car can reopen by itself for some reason, or the buzzer battery could be weak and it mightn't actually lock when you think it is. It can, it can happen, yeah. And, and, as, and as well as that, when you, when you put your keys back into the pocket, you know, the, the keys, if they hit a change purse or hit something, they, they can flick it again themselves, you know? Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. So just for people to check, you know, the battery could be gone. As you said, it could be weak, you know? Uh, friendly John, Halloween tonight. I presume you want to offer some advice as well to parents and indeed children who were out to make sure they can be seen and drivers in and around just to be aware that you will have trick-or-treaters out from around five this evening. Absolutely, yeah. For people just to be aware of that. Um, as as they drive around, uh, as they drive around housing states in particular, or anywhere where, where there's a young population, you know, keep keep the weather eye open. Um, I'd also say to parents as well, particularly parents who have had their children maybe at the ploughing match a few uh, couple of months ago, you know, that you, you you know fireworks might have been picked up, you know, and uh, accident and emergency have enough on their plate without trying to. Uh, Without some of the casualties that are seen every year at Halloween, um, with people maybe a firework after after uh, blowing up in a child's hand and maybe taking two fingers off or something, you know, um, they're 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 le- absolutely lethal and um, as I said, totally totally unregulated and unlawful. So for people just to bear that in mind. Um, but as I say, and you, you made the point yourself, you know, drive drive carefully tonight. There will be trick or treaters out. You know, and um, I think uh, a point that was made, I, you know, an awful lot of the antisocial behaviour, you know, the the last few years, you, you know, has dissipated. And because an awful lot of local communities, and we see it down in Yall, a very successful Yalloween festival, um, but all over the country, communities have put on festivals and that have really, really entertained um uh, children and their parents, you know, for Halloween, and it has has a res- very good uh, result as well on the, um, antisocial behaviour declining in the Halloween. You know. Well, hopefully everybody stays safe tonight. For the moment, John, thanks for joining Absolutely. us today. Uh, that's Sergeant John Kelly there from from my Garda station with this week's Garda file. Good afternoon to you, Bernie. Takes your calls and comments on eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero three one zero three, and they're the same numbers. If you have a pet question for our vet Jane Pickett, who will join us after. 12.30 from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Get your pet questions in on those numbers as well. She'll be joining us following uh, 12.30 and also advice on Halloween and for the pets this evening because every time and every year we get calls the day after Halloween from people who have left their pets outside or unattended outside and they're gone missing and obviously pets will get scared from the bangers and the fireworks that will regardless of what's happening tonight if you're living in an urban area especially anyhow and in some rural areas there will be fireworks and bangers going off and that scares the pets that they run away uh, but responsible pet owners maybe tonight just make sure your pets are inside somewhere so they don't run away anyhow that and more uh, with Jane after 12.30 and a lot of calls and comments in on various items we've been discussing this morning on the show 
Uh, first of all, uh, this is on pensions and this is something I mentioned at the start of the programme regarding how everybody now who is working will be made pay a pension and pay into a pension. And the reason the government are doing this and implementing this is so that in a situation in 40, 50, 60 years time when young workers are retiring uh, and when the population of this country is getting older, uh, that there will be a fund for people so those that have paid into their own pension fund will be able to access without totally relying on the state pension. Now, we did mention also during the crash that people lost out on their pensions and if you paid in a certain amount into your pension, you lost a lot of that. And on that, a lot of people texting in and giving their examples over the last hour. Here's another one uh, from a person on WhatsApp who says, I don't understand pensions at all. And I to be honest I think a lot of people would agree with you on that I think those who deal with pensions understand it the best but anyhow I would think that if the government took money uh, which belonged to us that we paid into in our pensions should they not put the money back in now if they have a surplus and I also wonder is this another way of having less people qualifying for medical cards if they have a private pension asks that particular person on WhatsApp while Jim says yes I totally agree with your earlier callers and texters on pensions I paid into a pension for many years and like those callers lost out because I was near the age of 65 uh, following the crash and when pensions still were not performing and of course the government taking money out of pension pots I didn't get any, hardly any money for my pension even though I would have paid in over 20 or 30 thousand euros from when I was a, a young employer or employee uh, and with that in mind I raised five children uh, myself and my wife worked hard and we now have little or nothing at the end of it all because our private pension is worth nothing yes we get the state pension uh, but if you are still putting a child through college like we have won it is tough uh, doing that while surviving on a state pension and having a limited private pension uh, it is tough and it's tougher for those uh, Jim says working in the private sector who don't be who don't qualify for big pensions like those in the public sector says Jim on text to 086 2103103 we spoke to Mary Crilly there earlier and uh, she of course is director of the sexual violence centre here in Cork on fears that rape is being normalised and this is because of a 45% increase in service users to her particular service over the last year and we were discussing uh, the, the issue of of it being normalised of rape being normalised and what happens and a lot of this can come from nights out and we discussed about nights out and drink and drugs and all of that and uh, men persisting on women and indeed uh, men being raped as well on that uh, WhatsApp are saying some perpetrators take jobs to make it easy to get to kids and to get to vulnerable kids it's not all just about nights out and drink and drugs they will avail of other options uh, if they wish to target kids and children says that particular to WhatsApp or well uh, Joe on text saying interesting to hear Mary mentioning men being raped something that I don't hear discussed that much on any radio station good to hear Mary mentioning that this morning uh, Joe says I do think with this being highlighted and indeed with other uh, TV soaps highlighting this particular situation that more men will come forward uh, that is happening too in an ever changing society says Joe on text 0862 103 103 and we had a lot of calls this week on cyclists and I was uh, going 
going through emails that we were catching up on from yesterday's show on people's views on the new cycling law or the new laws coming in regarding cyclists the next month that these are for motorists if you're overtaking a cyclist in a dangerous manner now you will get fined and receive penalty points uh, we discussed it at length on the show yesterday just more comments coming in on the issue of cyclists and one that's really coming in is about insurance and people are saying cyclists should get insurance but John and Cove is posing a, a good question actually regarding cyclists getting insurance he says is there though any insurance company in Ireland that would cover a cyclist and that is an interesting point is there uh, any any company in Ireland when you think of so many uh, activity centres who are now being forced to close because they cannot obtain insurance and when it comes to cyclists and how easy it is to be knocked off a bike or to have an accident on a bike if you were an insurance assessor and from an insurance company and you were thinking of delving into that particular market would you? Good point John I mean is there any insurer if it was to come a law that cyclists need insurance, who would insure them? Will we have our existing insurers jumping to get into that particular market? I very much doubt it. But John, thanks for your uh, point. And indeed, it's a good one uh, from Colvin. Uh, call to Bernie, 1850-333-103. And another John in Skibbereen. He was travelling from Skibbereen to Bantry uh, at Ballylicky. And he said there was a cyclist in front of him. Now, this particular cyclist hit a pothole full of water and the cyclist was thrown across the road in front of John. Now, John says he was travelling slowly, so avoided hitting the cyclist, but all motorists need to be aware of the dangers facing cyclists, in particular, that particular incident in Ballylicky. A cyclist hitting a, a pothole full of water, wasn't aware of the particular pothole, and then, of course, what happens? He was thrown off his bike, but thankfully, John wasn't driving too fast uh, and avoided hitting that particular person. But, John, if you were, if you weren't concentrating, if you were if you were going fast it could have been a very different situation and yeah people have to be aware of all the dangers we all face uh, when on the roads these days thank you for your call 1850-333-103 now a lot of calls and comments in uh, we were discussing this earlier this has all got to do with TDs who are going along to the doll they're well someone is checking them in anyhow to say they have been in Leinster House but there is no sign of them voting in any of the actual votes that may be on a particular day in Leinster House even though they claim they were in attendance and obviously when they claim they were in attendance they actually do claim uh, this travel and allowance expense which basically means uh, that they can claim for hotel accommodation travelling up and to from wherever from Cork to Dublin and back again they can claim all that expense and that expense can cost around 2.9 million in euros and we the taxpayer pays for that but this morning uh, we have found out that uh, from an investigation from RTE that several TDs regularly do attend Linster House they claim the expenses but they miss the entire day's voting and I was speaking earlier to Deputy Andreas Moynihan and I said could you have a situation they record this by an electronic fob and could you have a situation whereby you someone will scan the electronic fob and then the person who scans it is scanning it on behalf of somebody else. So I go in, I scan it on somebody else, but that other person isn't there. They could be gone back home, they could be doing something else in Dublin, but they will be able to claim those particular expenses. Well, on that, uh, there is a 
uh, a number of TDs mentioned. Uh, two from Cork East, which a WhatsApp are here, and this is uh, Morris on WhatsApp is highlighting. Uh, Morris is saying uh, that uh, Deputy Sean Sherlock missed 40 days and claimed €82,000, while Kevin O'Keefe missed 38 and he claimed €89,000. Morris feels that this is a disgrace and, and they're the figures that RTE have obtained with regarding that. And regarding those figures, that these uh, numbers that Morris mentions there, uh, they were numbers uh, between March 2016 and July 2019 when each TD recorded their attendance at Linster House. They didn't and they failed to attend any votes but their expenses claimed between those months uh, March 2016 and the end then of 2018 uh, the TDs did sign in but missed the votes on a higher than average number of days and they're the two from Cork East that uh, Morris is highlighting uh, we also did highlight the uh, to those who make the top of that particular list which is independent uh, Michael Healy Ray and Danny Healy Ray as well as Fina Gales in the Kinney uh, Michal Martin the Fianna Fáil leader is in there as well at the top and uh, several other TDs are mentioned in this uh, particular report uh, from Cork though from what we can see and from what I can see here uh, there uh, we obviously we have mentioned Sean Sherlock and Kevin O'Keefe and Michal Martin in there as well and I'm sure if we go through it in the afternoon we'll find more but that's all that's standing out at the moment now for me as I look at the, at the details here uh, that have been given from uh, those dates from those who have claimed they were in the doll uh, but didn't vote No, as Kev on Twitter said earlier there could be several reasons behind this it could be that maybe yes they were in the doll and they could have done something else that day uh, they could have been in a committee meeting they could have been in another department office elsewhere in Dublin working on something for the constituency or indeed they might have to have to go back to uh, Cork or whatever and deal with something uh, so they could have been there in the morning in their office and then had to leave so there could be a number of reasons for this uh, but we'll have to wait and see what unfolds following this particular investigation what a lot of people are fearful is that and I said and I asked this again to uh, Deputy Moynihan this morning uh, could you give the FOP to someone else and someone else swipe in for you and that could be done and that's the fear no we're not saying anybody has done that or any TDs have done that but that is the fear and of course that comes from what's happened with the voting and TDs getting other people to vote for them anyhow we'll wait and see what comes out from that your calls and comments are welcome 1850 text and whatsapp 86 and keep your pet questions coming for Jane our vet as well she's along shortly on those particular numbers also we're going to hear about a protest that is taking place Oh, that took place, sorry, earlier this week, but it was highlighting Halloween and how so many children will not be able to trick-or-treat for Halloween because they are living in emergency accommodation. Uh, our reporter, Murray Tuig, was at that particular protest and we'll hear about that next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Kadara Community Lotto that will be held this evening in Walchus Bar the jackpot there is €3,500 also a lucky dip draw will take place the money's raised for the community projects in Kildare a gala concert evening with the band of the Garda Shikona in aid of the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland that's going to be held in Selmontos Church in Kinsale and that's on this evening tickets are €50 including early bird pre-concert dinner at a good food circle restaurant of your choice you can get bookings there on KinsaleLionsOnline.com The grand draw for Ballyhay Community Hall will be held in the Corbett Court. That's on Friday the 15th of November at 8 o'clock. Tickets €10 and they're on sale now with great prizes as well on the night. 
and Fremont Session that's going ahead on Friday this coming Friday the 1st of November it's a fundraiser for Billy O'Brien of Fremont who was travelling to Kenya with the Ray of Sunshine Foundation Lep Scarecrow Festival that is currently ongoing it runs up to this Sunday if you go to Lep you'll see many scarecrow displays street entertainment puppet shows parades dancing and lots more fun across the week in Lep Cantor Golf Club are holding a fundraising night in aid of the Irish Community Rapid Response Air Ambulance Bermal Cahi will host the introduction to mindfulness evening with special guest Alice Taylor and that's going ahead on this coming Friday at 8 o'clock in Canturk Golf Club tickets there are 20 euros and they're from the golf club or indeed they're on the door on the night and Ballonhasa Community Development they will hold a fundraising social dance and that's going ahead this Friday in the Marion Hall in Ballonhasa dancing to C and M sound from 9.45 Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 And all the talk about cyclists and people wearing high-vis vests and cyclists not having lights in their bikes and the idea of new laws and motorists which is coming in of course next month and people had a lot to say on that over the last few days John in Clonakilty text to say Back in the old days my father used to say a guard would pull you for no light where is all this gone? Says John in Clonakilty with regarding people cycling around with no lights. And you could say motorists as well, uh, driving around with no lights on. But just when it comes to enforcement, and that's the big thing with that particular law, is how will they enforce it? Anyhow, uh, keep your pet questions coming for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. She joins us shortly. Uh, you can call us on 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 But earlier this week, organisers of a protest in Cork City say that this Halloween for tonight there will be a many uh, children who will be unable to go out and trick or treat. The reason being is of course a lot of these people and a lot of these families are living in emergency accommodation. A group of people gathered on Patrick's Bridge to vent their frustrations at the current homeless crisis. Homeless campaigner Karen Doyle already organised a protest last week outside County Hall and another one is planned before the City Council Housing Committee meeting next month. Our reporter Murray Tuig was at that particular protest in the city centre. It has to stop. This has to stop. It's going on for years and years. No, I won't be ashamed to say it, but I myself was homeless one time. And it's a very bad experience for anyone. It's time now that everybody got together and said, right, enough is enough. And if the government just put their finger out and stop sitting on their hands all day long, pushing by roads, right, which they should be out helping people, not crucifying them, I mean, people, enough is enough. Enough is enough. People have had it. We've had it years back. And I think it's time now that people got stronger and that we all re- reunite together. Now is the time to help people, not punish them. My name is Karen Doyle, so I'm a community activist from Cove. We decided to gather on Patrick's Bridge as a result of a conversation that we had recently with one of the homeless women. And she kind of made the point that none of her children or children in family hubs could go trick-or-treating. And we thought, wow, you know, that, that thinking of that was awful, really. So we thought, we have to come here. We have to be a visible voice for those who, who don't have any, basically. So... Our campaign, we started last week at County Hall, um, just to bring that kind of visibility as well over to the county. We're here today, and then Monday evening we'll go to City Hall. Families are being ripped apart. 
because the way it works that if you're dealing with the, the homeless unit, and I know from my own experience, if you're dealing with the homeless unit and you have a child that is, has been living with you all along, but is over the age of 18, they will not help you as a family. That 18 year old has to go and get homeless accommodation themselves. A child who just turns 18 to be told they have to go away and do their own thing, it's, it's still very young. It is very young, I think it is, especially if that 18 year old has lived with their family you know, all along. And then, you know, not every 18-year-old is the same. Some are quite mature, some are not. Some have mental health issues, some have disabilities. You know, there's lots of different th ways in which you can look at this. So at the end of the day, a family should be looked at as a family and not around what age they are. Hi, I'm Carolina. I feel so sorry for the homeless. They're, they're, they're dying and they're receiving very violent deaths and it's extremely cold and I just think even temporary accommodation somewhere it doesn't have to be a four-star hotel just to put them somewhere and it doesn't have to be varnished even empty building or something you know just to get them off the streets because it's extremely violent out there and they're very vulnerable but it's very upsetting even when I'm out at night and I often got a cup of tea and sandwich and my friends would and you know we just feel so so sorry for them we're just so thankful that we have warm beds yeah, and it just shows the reality of what is happening out there. And we hear so many people and we hear from people who are living in emergency accommodation, uh, who some would say are lucky enough to be in that situation that they can find emergency accommodation and they're not out on the streets. But for families that are living in a hotel and B&Bs moved around the whole time isn't really ideal. Uh, but it just shows the reality of what is happening, especially uh, for children who uh, tonight, while if they're in a school situation, their friends are all trick-or-treating and some of you good enough to bring them along uh, to their friends and bring them along to where they are from and trick or treat but a lot of them mightn't have that option and while they're in a hotel room or Airbnb you know they can hardly go knock at the doors in a hotel or Airbnb trick or treating and they've just don't have the, the funds or don't have the ability then for the parents to go out and about in the particular area they're in uh, all because a lot of people just don't have homes and they're in emergency accommodation. Uh, and we go back to our earlier conversation with uh, Councillor Frank Roach this morning on uh, buildings lying idle. And a lot of the build these particular buildings in county towns could be used to house people or indeed council houses that are boarded up across the county and indeed across the city that they could be used as well if they were made available. Anyhow, uh, that uh, report from our reporter, Maria Tuwick, who was at that particular protest earlier this week. Now, I got a letter in the post uh, earlier uh, yesterday and this, uh, this particular fundraising event first of all was for Pink Ribbon for Breast Awareness Month and they want to thank everybody who came and supported uh, this particular worthy cause. Now I don't know where the event was held because they haven't said that in the letter but going on where the letter was posted from we do think this was in the Duhallow area anyhow uh, we've no names and numbers to get back to anybody but for anybody for the person that did uh, post in this letter to us uh, well done because a total of 3,120 euros was raised for Pink Ribbon Day and they want to thank everybody who was involved with this and the volunteers uh, that took part in this particular big fundraiser for the Pink Ribbon Breast Awareness Month a big amount of money over 3,000 euros raised there and as I say that was in the Duhallow area and also in the post this morning the Manway Historical Association uh, they're holding a candlelight concert and that's taking place in St Mary's Church in the Manway on Friday the 8th of November tickets are 10 euros and refreshments also are welcome if you're able to go along to that which sounds nice in that particular church a candlelight concert on Friday the 8th of November at 8 o'clock there uh, organised 
organised by the Dunmanway Historical Society. 1850-333-103. Alliance are open. Pet questions now welcome for Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. She joins us next. You can always text or WhatsApp 86 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 and just reacting to the story earlier on this morning that broke and this was regarding several TDs recording their attendance in Leinster House while not being uh, voting on the particular day they did claim travel expenses and basically to prove if they were in the particular house or not on the day Anthony on text saying these expensive uh, massive or these expenses are a massive bill to all harsh taxpayers in this country trying to escape a living what makes me mad is the overpayment of these expenses that by any chance are found out I'd like to see the underpaid list, uh, says Anthony on text 0862103103. Yeah, we mentioned them there just before the break. Huge expenses are being claimed, especially if some uh, TDs are, you know, if they're fobbing in or getting someone else to fob in for them and then claiming those particular allowances where they can claim uh, driving expenses or indeed overnight accommodation in Dublin under the travel and accommodation scheme. I'm sure we'll hear more of this across the day. Also, a story that is breaking. Uh, this morning and into this afternoon on the city north side and this is while Gardaí are still by the way trying to establish facts on this particular situation it's in a house in the Farnry area of the north side now reports earlier emerged that uh, a man seemingly had barricaded himself into the property the Garda emergency response unit was called in to bring the situation under control which seemingly is happening at the moment I've just received uh, a statement now from the Gardaí Uh, literally in the last uh, few seconds uh, as I'm speaking to you and in this statement uh, they are telling us that Gardaí did attend uh, the incident this morning at approximately 9am in the Farnry area a man has since been arrested under the Mental Health Act and is currently being detained at Gronobarha Garda Station uh, no injuries were sustained during this incident Um, so we'll have to wait and see uh, what will happen in that particular situation but I presume at this stage it's been dealt with with the Gardaí but for those who are texting in uh, regarding that situation for those in Farnry asking us what was happening this morning uh, that is what was going on there this morning Gardaí dealing and have dealt uh, with that incident uh, as it winds down now in the Farnry area we'll have more by the way on that particular breaking story on C103 News at 1 now keep your pet questions coming because Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us in studio good afternoon to you Jane Hi there and we've been speaking all morning and I was discussing this with Sergeant John Kelly on our guard mm. file just for people to be careful at Halloween and we'll be giving tips all morning as well on what people should be doing and he was making the point if you're out driving be careful especially housing estates and adults mm-hmm. and children if you're wearing dark clothes you know have something to ident- mm-hmm. identify you because from around five o'clock it is going to get dark and mm. you won't be seen but from the animals point of view Every year, and you'll have oh, it as well, yes. we will have people <laughs> ringing us up tomorrow. My dog is missing, my cat is missing and we keep telling people just for the one night of the year, maybe two mm-hmm. nights, maybe tomorrow night, mm-hmm. just be, be mindful of your pets. Exactly. I think, you know, it's an easily avoided situation. If there is one night of the year where I would say, keep your pets inside, this is it. Um, you know, there's going to be lots of trick-or-treaters going around, lots of festivities, maybe doors opening and closing into your house, giving candy and things like that out to, to people calling um, trick-or-treating. It's a perfect time for dogs and cats to escape outside lots of strange people around maybe some you know costumes they might be a little bit worried about um 
I think it's it's the it's for us. We will always very much like yourselves get an absolute influx of calls saying my my dog, my cat, etc., has gone missing, and it's heartbreaking. So I think situations best avoided. Keep them inside, and also keep them in a room where they can't easily run out the door when you open the door to the trick or treaters. Um, and just make sure they're safe, comfortable. If there's any loud bangs or fireworks or anything like that going off this evening, I think the best thing to do is just give them somewhere, give them somewhere comfortable and quiet to hide. Maybe put on some classical music in the background just to cover the noise a little bit. And the most important thing you can do yourself is just remain calm. They kind of feed off your own anxiety. So if you're worried about them being scared by the noises, they'll pick up on that and be more worried. So just maintain a very calm environment but most importantly keep them inside um i think on on another note with halloween one thing we've seen appearing in the last few years is lots of costumes for Halloween. Very much like, you know, the kids getting dressed up um, fancy costumes for dogs and cats. And it oh, can, putting, putting yeah, costumes on putting the dogs costumes, and cats? Exactly, oh, dressing them up for I the occasion. The kids. Okay. No, no. <laughs> dressing, special costumes, dressing them okay. up for the occasion. And sometimes it's very small. Sometimes it might be a little bandana, which is minimally obstructive mm. to the dog or cat. And it's just nice and festive. But sometimes there could be larger scale costumes. Now, some of those are you know, really well made, very comfortable, almost just like a normal dog coat. Dog or cat doesn't know anything about that, but they're involved in the festivities. But I think the really important thing is just to make sure you're not putting anything either restrictive or, you know, tight on your dog or cat. If you do choose to dress them up and take them trick-or-treating with you on a lead or anything like that, which is very common practice, particularly in urban areas now, make sure that they're not wearing any, let's say, headwear that might obstruct their vision or anything that might be tight or uncomfortable around their legs or their belly. Normally I suggest either if you do want to dress them up something that looks very coat-like and is very normal to what they would normally wear during the winter if they do wear any kind of clothes when they go out and about um, or even just a little bandana. Something minimally obstructive but just nice and festive if you are going to go down that route. That's a really important thing to think of. And last but not least please do not let them eat any chocolate. Please do not let them eat any sugary candy. There's two main dangers this time year the chocolate is always poisonous and that comes out as a a big problem at Christmas again Um, any amount of chocolate is not good for a dog or cat but mainly the dark chocolate is absolute murder so just avoid it make sure they can't get within reach of anything but really important as well is a lot of those um, sugary jelly candies that we wouldn't yeah. normally think about a lot of them these days are with everybody becoming very health conscious about sugar and sweeteners they're now a lot of them sweetened with artificial sweeteners and some of those are highly toxic to dogs and cats can cause kidney failure and it can be an absolute disaster so don't be tempted to give them any of the little jelly sweets either or leave them access to those and they can be more dangerous than the sugar piled on the sweets oh yeah absolutely yeah. Absolutely. I think if you're concerned that your dog or cat has eaten either lots of those kind of, you know, artificially sweetened jelly sweets that we see this time of year at Halloween um, or chocolate um, on the main event this evening, contact your vet. And I'd say, you know, time is usually of the essence. There's a lot that can be done the sooner we know about it. So be aware of that, especially with the jellies. There'll be plenty of them, I'm sure, tonight at some doors anyway across the county. Uh, (laughs) Let's get into questions. Keep your questions coming. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And you mentioned eating there. And this is one. Uh, regarding eating and it's asking are bananas good or bad for dogs I share uh, my banana with my 10 year old Labrador every morning at breakfast but am I doing the right thing says this particular texter you know everything in moderation Um, they're not toxic so they shouldn't necessarily cause a major problem but sometimes I would say that you know it's not what they're designed to be eating Um, but you know if they like a little bit of it it's fruit there could be a lot worse things to feed them. I think small amounts, a little disco banana here or there is not going to do any major harm, but I wouldn't make it, let's say, a mainstay of the diet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Uh, Noreen uh, has a cat. Now, this particular cat, she feels at the moment, uh, seems anyhow to have a, a sore throat, but also uh, if she can tell by the cat that the cat is finding it hard to swallow and her meow sounds hoarse as well. Uh, could it be a flu or, or what could she do to remedy this? Oh, that's a really interesting one. I always find it very interesting when people notice the subtle signs at home, things like a change in vocalisation, like a change in the tone of bark or meow. And that's really interesting because that really highlights how well owners know their pets and you know exactly what they're like. And, you know, that that's a really, really good and perceptive Um it could be a few different things that would cause a change in meow or let's say a sore throat and swallowing. I think inflammation anywhere in the back of the mouth um, or into the kind of around the windpipe in the food pipe, the esophagus and the trachea, that can kind of really cause a change in meow because the voice box is there. Um, but also it's in, it's in the same areas the swallowing will be happening. So that's why you're probably observing a difficulty swallowing. I think given what you're describing, I think it's probably worth visiting your vet sooner rather than later so that they can open their mouth safely, examine the back of the throat. Sometimes we'll be able to do a good amount of that with a, a little cat or a dog awake. Uh, but it depends on how relaxed they are, let's put it like that. If the, if your vet is concerned that there might be either something stuck or something that they need to examine further, sometimes we'll just need to give them a little bit of sedation so that we can see it to the back of the mouth a little bit better. So your vet will discuss that with you if they feel it's appropriate. It can sometimes be something stuck, something causing an inflammation or something causing an infection so all pretty serious things now it could be something or nothing and it might just be a bit of a flu like ourselves getting a little bit hoarse but I think I would stick on the safe side if you're concerned that there's any discomfort there I'd visit your vet because cats could be picking up something from outside as well oh they can and they really like to hunt and I think one thing we see somewhat frequently is that you know objects and little things getting stuck on the roof of the mouth and the back of the throat and if you think about what cats like to catch they like to catch Mice and rats, they all have very small, pliable little skeletons and they're prime little things to get stuck in the back of the throat. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Don, in a a similar situation, but he's a dog and his dog is a nine-year-old Labrador. Uh, But in the last few weeks, uh, the the particular Labrador has a very runny nose, but it's getting worse. Don says, it's like it's dripping at this stage. And what can I do? Otherwise, uh, the lab is in good form, eating healthy, Mm -hmm. uh, no sign of being sick, just a runny nose. Good. Well, I suppose in the background, it's good that he's otherwise well eating drinking happy out Um, I think a persistently runny nose is a little bit of a concern certainly now it can be a huge amount of different things if it's very clear kind of coloured discharge sometimes it can be just a little bit of a flu or a virus it's kind of like ourselves having a runny nose Um, sometimes if it's a little bit let's say chunkier let's say creamier as it were it can indicate an infection whether that be bacteria or even rarely a fungus so I think If it's ongoing for a period of time, you need to visit your vet. They'll be able to assess the airflow within the nose, whether it's one-sided or two-sided, tells us a lot. But sometimes, I suppose, very similar to a cat getting things stuck in the back of the mouth, sometimes dogs can inhale things. They're quite good at doing that sometimes. And particularly in the autumn kind of harvest time, they're really good at inhaling seeds and bits of crops. So if you live in a rural area, that's that's one thing we see quite frequently. Um, Sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging because I suppose if you think about the nose, it's contained within the skull. So it's quite a difficult area for us to access. So sometimes you might need more specialist things to, to happen, like a little camera up the nose. But your vet will be able to guide you as to that if that's necessary. OK, and staying with dogs, a uh, texter here is saying, my dog gets car sick every time we travel. Is there something uh, that I can give her? Mm. Yes and no. Oh, yeah. um, it's a bit of a difficult one. And I really emphasise you because one of my little dogs, Margot, got very car sick initially when I got her. Um, and she really struggled because she had to go in the car every day with me to work. Oh, so um, she had no choice. Luckily, yeah. I had um, a very short drive, so it was yeah. OK. 
I think really they will find their place in the car. I think it's really important to have them harnessed in and you can get these little harnesses that connect them to the seatbelt. So make them feel secure and give them a little blanket to lie down on so that if there are any vomiting accidents, you know, at least your car is protected to a certain degree and it's easily to clean. Now, I would say little and often trips is the best way to get them used to it. It's kind of like ourselves. If we, let's say, if we don't like flying in a plane with turbulence, we'll kind of work ourselves into a state where we'll almost fool ourselves into feeling a little bit sick. It's kind of like that for dogs. If they anticipate that they're going to feel sick, they'll almost get themselves to that point without anything really happening. So if you can take that fear away by even just driving them to the end of the lane 30 seconds and then letting them out and doing that maybe, you know, every second day for a week or two and then drive for two minutes and stop and let them out. So slowly work up that time. Sometimes habituation can do a lot to settle things down. And also they'll find their position or their angle in the car when, where they're sitting, where they're most comfortable. Like my Margot likes to sit up in her seat with her harness on and kind of like lie her head backwards against the, the headrest. She's very funny. She's quite a tall little dog, so she can do that. They'll all find their position. If it really is a struggle and you do need to transport them any kind of great distance, have a chat to your vet. There are medications that we can give them that will reduce that feeling of nausea and motion sickness. But that's not something I would be doing every day. But if you do have a special event or a long trip or something where you absolutely have to transport them, have a chat to your vet and I'm sure they can prescribe that for you. OK, Emer's in Douglas. She has an indoor cat, but the fur on her cat is falling off. Now, it's like a skin disease, she says, mm-hmm. uh, but it's on the fur. And now it's weeping a bit and beginning to bleed. Uh, any idea what this could be? The cat is eating healthily. The cat is fine. There's nothing wrong with a particular mm-hmm. cat but can't figure out why this is happening the cat is eight years old yeah this can be really frustrating for for you guys at home when you see that there's this itching scratching and possibly even not itching scratching just you know magical disappearance yeah. of the hair one thing i would say is we don't always see our pets each scratch or tear at themselves a lot of them are very secretive about it and we'll do it when you're not looking or overnight which is why we sometimes see this appearance of hair hair disappearing and the skin getting quite irritated a lot of the time it can be self-trauma now most of the time that's either because there is an infection either with a bacteria or even with a parasite like fleas mites lice they'd be the really common things common things are common so i would first and foremost go to your vet um, discuss the situation with them and they'll probably prescribe you a flea mite and lice treatment and that will that will kill off those and that certainly reduces down that area of itching the thing that concerns me with this cat is she says it's beginning to bleed and ooze a little bit so I think you might just need to visit your vet for a good health check for them to assess the situation because one really important thing is if we do have oozing or pus coming from the skin it indicates infection and that could be really painful but it can also get worse a lot more quickly than we imagine so some Sometimes you'll need to be prescribed a course of antibiotics, but your vet will be able to guide you as to what's appropriate. So I think have a chat with your vet, keep up with your routine parasite treatments and they'll be able to advise you what the best course of action is, but definitely needs dealing with. And a texter here asking, any cure for a hairball for my cat? Ah, yeah, there there is. Um, is yeah, you can get... <laughs> so hair is really interesting, I suppose. Um, you know, it's really natural for, for cats to groom themselves and they will swallow a certain amount of that. And some of them will kind of hack up and vomit up the hair that they've they've ingested. Um, sometimes it can cause problems. It can build up into little balls and kind of lodge in the stomach. Rarely, but it does happen. Um, one thing you can do is there's, there's a product, there's a few products on the market. Um, the one on the top of my head is something called Deferrum. And it's actually a little paste that interestingly, you rub onto your cat's leg so that they'll think oh there's something there I need to lick and clean it off and what that paste does is um, it 
using enzymes, it breaks down the, the kind of bind in the hair. So it fragments yeah. the hair so it's more easily digested and can pass through the system. That's clever. So really interesting. So have a chat with your vet. They'll be able to source that product for you if it's not something they have in. Um, there is a solution. <laughs> very good a very clever solution yeah. <laughs> uh, Jane thank you for that Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group back again uh, next Thursday with us and uh, beware of your dogs cats and mm, all pets tonight uh, for Halloween earlier we spoke about uh, the McCroom area and the lack of GPs and the lack of access to GPs in the McCroom and Mid Cork area uh, Margaret in Tallow says well she is very sick today she's phoned three doctors cannot get in to see any of them so she will have to wait until this evening and go to South Dock will Hopefully you'll be feeling better, uh, Margaret, soon and best of luck with that. Also regarding TDs and expenses, Caroline in Middleton says nobody else gets paid to travel to work. TDs should just show up for work the same as the rest of us, uh, says Caroline. And earlier this morning, happy birthday call came in for Catherine Mulhall. She's 80 today in St. Joseph's Nursing Home in Bantry. That comes in from Brody. Happy birthday to you. That's it. Back tomorrow from 10.